0: I'm Mike Franzoni. You're listening to the Prophecy Channel. Today is episode one. We'll be looking at Revelations chapter 11, the two witnesses that are mentioned will be preaching and prophesying during the tribulation period here on earth so i'm going to begin reading in in uh, Revelation chapter 11 i just want to read those first uh, 10 verses here and we'll, this will be episode one today and in a week or two you'll be able to go back on my channel and find episode two from revelations 11 beginning in verse one revelations 11 John writes Then I was given a reed like a measuring rod and another angel and the angel stood excuse me saying rise and measure the temple of God the altar and those who worship there but leave out the court which is outside the temple do not measure it has been given to the Gentiles and they will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months that is three and a half years and i will give power to my two witnesses and they will prophesy one thousand two hundred and sixty days clothed in sackcloth these are the two olive trees and the two lamps stand standing before the god of the earth and if anyone wants to harm them fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies and if anyone wants to harm them he must be killed in this manner these have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy They have power over waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. Verse 7. When they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which is spiritually called Sodom, and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Verse 9 then those from the peoples, tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days and not allow their dead bodies to be put into graves. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them, make merry, and send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. It's kind of a satanic Christmas. So let me begin setting the scene for you. The two witnesses begin their ministry near the beginning Of the seven-year tribulation they're not symbolic they are real people they are connected to the rebuilt temple that we believe is coming soon the temple will be the focal point of Jewish religion and life the Antichrist will make a peace treaty or some kind of covenant agreement with Israel at the beginning of the seven-year tribulation the two witnesses ministry will only last three and a half years Now, from verse 7 on, it's, it's a halfway point of the tribulation. And what's going to take place is when they are murdered by the Antichrist, the abomination of desolation will take place at the same time. Again, I have a podcast on that on the Prophecy Channel. You can look that up. When that happens, the Jews flee. They abandon the Israel and parts of Jerusalem. So, let's go ahead. I set the scene. Now, let's look at the scripture itself verse one and two speaks of the temple he says again uh, john said i was given a reed like a measuring rod and the angel said rise and measure the temple the altar the temple of god rather the altar and those who worship there But leave out the court which is outside the temple and do not measure it it's been given to the gentiles they will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months now there are five temples in jewish history There was a Solomon's temple it was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar in 587 B.C. There was Zerubbabel's temple built when the Jews returned from captivity in Babylon, and it was desecrated and it was destroyed in the second century before Christ. And there's a third temple built for the Jews by Herod the Great. This was the temple that was in existence during Jesus' ministry and the apostles' ministry, and it's described there in the book of Acts. It was destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD. And then the fourth temple, verse 1 and 2, Revelations 11. This is a tribulation temple and we know now that the Jews are preparing to rebuild that temple. Everything is in place. Priests are being trained. The ashes of the red heifer, all they're getting ready for that. All the temple articles are being made ready. It's coming. But there's a fifth temple. Ezekiel 40, chapter 40 through chapter 43, speaks of a millennial temple described in the book of Ezekiel. But notice what he says here. He says uh, he gave John a measuring rod, a reed like a measuring rod. Now, this is a precursor to judgment. A rod in Scripture is usually an indication of a coming judgment. And then he says in verse 1, John, rise and measure. And what that means, that's an act of claiming. This is within what's called the realm of judgment. He says that God is going to deal with Israel now. You can find this in Zechariah chapter 2, verse 1 through 11, and Jeremiah 31, verse 38 and 39. But he also says something else. He said, I want you to rise and measure the temple of God, the altar, and its worshipers. Now, what's going to happen during the tribulation period is unbelieving Jews will build the temple. In one sense, it's almost idolatrous worship. This is not God's original plan or temple's true purpose, because the temple's true purpose is to reveal Jesus, and we'll look at that too. The false prophet, I believe, will even sponsor the tribulation temple. But judgment is coming. So the Antichrist says, yes, build the temple. The Antichrist and the false prophet says, yes, I'll help with the worship of the temple. But not realizing that judgment is coming. And then he puts this little clause in there. He said, I want you to leave out, in verse 2, I want you to leave out the court which is outside the temple and do not measure it because it's been given to the Gentiles. That is the outer court. Here is where the Gentiles were allowed, that they're allowed in the outer court. And the Gentiles will control for three and a half years. The Antichrist will establish a shrine to himself. And the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 3 and 4, and Luke 21, and even Matthew 24, that he will commit the abomination of desolation in that rebuilt temple and proclaim himself himself as a God, or as God rather, not a God, as God, and it will be a shrine to himself. And that's what he's speaking about there. Let's continue. In verse three and four, he speaks of the testimony. And then in verse three, he says this. He says, I will give power to my two witnesses. God says, I'm going to give power to my two witnesses. They were prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. Now the word power there simply means I will put in in place or I will bestow a gift, I will grant them. So their power comes from God. And in verse 3, he says there are two. Now wires are two witnesses. Now two in the Bible is the number of testimony. Matthew 18, 16, Deuteronomy 17, 6, they both say that in the mouth of two or three witnesses a thing is established. So what God is doing is it's uh, symbolic as well. God is confirming His testimony to the Jews and confirming His testimony to the world. There are two. And verse three, he uses another word, but I want to translate this word for you. "I will give power to my two witnesses. And this witness kind of tells you what's going to happen. It's a Greek word, Martus which is where we get our word martyr from. And the word actually means an eye or ear witness, someone who has seen and heard a witness. He's seen, heard, and knows. And the translation here, martyr, is one who is willing to seal their testimony with their blood. These two know Jesus. These two will see were from heaven. These two were on earth know the Lord, have seen and heard and know. And now here on earth, they're, they're willing to seal their testimony, all right, with their own blood. We know there's a history of the apostles. Maybe next time we'll look at that. Of all the apostles, for most of them had died a martyr's death, except for John, who is writing right now. Now in verse three, he tells them, I will give power to my two witnesses, And they will prophesy. Let's pull over in part for just a minute. They will prophesy. So we have prophets here. We have two prophets. And that word prophecy and prophets might give us a clue who they really are. Hang on to that. These two prophets are connected to the rebuilt temple. And one reason the temple will be rebuilt is this. They will prophesy in the temple. All right. And they will point the sacrifices to Jesus Christ. We know that the uh, Jews will reestablish their sacrifices as they did in the Old Testament. But the reason these two prophets are there, they're going to take the, and we know in the Old Testament, all those sacrifices point to Jesus. And so here, these two prophets, During this three and a half years, the first three and a half years of tribulation period, they will continue to point the sacrifice. This is why we sacrifice the Lamb. This is why we do certain things. All of it is pointing to Messiah. They will make their ministry to the Jews more effective. That's exactly what will happen. And God's promise is that Israel will be saved, Romans chapter 11, and many Jews will begin to come to Christ through that. These two witnesses... These two prophets will play a pivotal role towards Jewish conversion. And if you add, uh believe in uh, Revelation chapter 7, he speaks of the 144,000 Jewish evangelists, that even through their ministry, their ministry is going to not only go to the Jews, but the Gentiles as well, those 144,000. And so there's going to be a great move of God, I believe, a great awakening during the tribulation time and verse 3 says that these two were clothed in sackcloth and that's important sackcloth is a heavy coarse garment woven out of camel's hair or mohair worn by the ancients as a great sign of sorrow and great mourning the days are evil repent for judgment is coming and as like they did in the Old Testament and even as like John the Baptist did these two will come and and i think this is more symbolic i do think that it's probably actually literal as well but to the jews who understand the old testament they will see the two prophets telling them repent because judgment is coming and then let's look at verse 4 we got to pull over and park On this phrase, there are the two olive trees and the two lampstands, he says, standing, watch, two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. Very important. Now, I'm going to go to Zechariah chapter three, but I want to show you where this comes from and why he uses, calls them the two olive branches standing before, all right, God here. Turn my Bible to Zechariah And my suggestion is to Read Zechariah chapter uh, 4 As well Let's see Chapter 4 as well As well as chapter 3 And I think it really makes more sense As we look at this passage As well and what the meaning Of these uh, Of these two actually really means here Okay Get My Bible here And you're hanging in there right with me all right, we're almost there. Zechariah. Here we go. The book of Zechariah. Now, Zechariah chapter 4, let's see, chapter 3, I think that's the one you want to read, but I want to read Zechariah 4 because I think when I read this bits and pieces from you, it really make sense and why God calls them the two olive trees. Zechariah four verse one. Now the angel who talked with me came back and and wakened me. Zechariah said, as a man is waking out of his sleep, and he said to me, "What do you see?" So I said, "I'm looking," and there is a lampstand, a solid gold, and a bowl on top of it, and other lamps on the stand, seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. Two olive trees are by it, one on the right of the bowl. And the other on his left. So I answered and spoke to the angel who talked with me, saying, "What are these, my lord?" Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, "Don't you not do you not know what these are?" And I said, "No, my lord." And he answered and said to me, "This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit," says the Lord of hosts. "Who are you, who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain." And he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. And he continues on, and he talks about they laid the foundation of this temple. And and this, this to me is a pointing towards that coming temple. But notice verse 11. I answered and said to him, What are these two olive trees at the right of a lampstand at its left? I further answered and said to him, What are these two olive branches that drip into the receptacles of the two gold pipes from which the golden oil drains? Here it is. And he answered me and said, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. So he said, These are the two anointed ones who stand beside the Lord of the whole earth. Even back in Zechariah. And then you go back to Revelation 11. And he says here in verse 4, These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. These olive trees. Zechariah is the prophet of restoration, of new hope, of a new world, of the new day. In Joshua, in Zechariah three, is the high priest who gives, who, who God cleanses, and Satan comes and accuses him. You have to read Zechariah three, and he's a forgiven minister in a new temple that is to be rebuilt. And there's a picture in Zechariah of this coming temple during tribulation time. He's a minister in this new temple. That, that is to be built with a new Israel that's coming back home, a new Judah where Christ will become uh, and be born. And Zechariah 4 speaks of that great restoration is coming. God is in the midst of the great final restoration. And then that's why he says in Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6 that that, um, that the new temple will be built by the power of God. God is preparing better things for us. A new heaven, a new earth, a new holy city. And here we see the harbinger of this restoration in these two witnesses. Now, here is the $64 million question Who are these two witnesses? I believe they are Moses and Elijah. Moses and Elijah give you several reasons. Moses and Elijah appeared together in the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew 17.3. Remember, this Mount of Transfiguration, and I believe it was, it was on Mount Hermon, where demonic powers gathered, but God in the midst of them transformed himself, transfigured himself into his holy body, and who was it that appeared to the disciples? Moses and Elijah. Second reason is this. Moses and Elijah represent the law and the prophets. Moses represents the law. Elijah represents the prophets. And this is for the Jews. The Jews who know the Old Testament will understand the representatives of the law and the prophets. Number three, we will see later in more detail that withholding rain is consistent with Elijah's former ministry. Turning water into blood is consistent with Moses' former ministry. You can go to 2 Kings 10, 2 Kings 17, 1. You can look through Exodus chapter 7 all the way, verse 11, and you can see these plagues. And verse 6 talks about these plagues. And they're related to Moses, and we also see to Elijah. And then we see, a number fourth reason, is Jude chapter 9. Satan contends for the body of Moses. And it's a hard scripture for all of us to understand, but let me just read it to you. Jude 9, and I'm not sure if I really understand what's going on, but it's significant. Verse 9, Jude 9, yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed over the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, the Lord rebukes you. Did Satan know something of God's plan? He and Michael got into a dispute over the body of Moses. No one even knows where Moses was buried because the Bible says in Deuteronomy 34, verse 5 through 10, that the Lord buried his body and no one knows where his body is buried. And let's another reason. Number five, Malachi predicted that Elijah the prophet would come before the second coming. You will find this in Malachi chapter 3, verse 1 through 3, and Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. And even John the Baptist, let's go back here, even John the Baptist spoke about Elijah, because they all said, hey, are you Elijah? Are you Elijah? Because we know that Elijah would come back. I mean, Malachi predicts that. And what did he say? He said, no, I'm not Elijah, John 1, 21. Now, over in Malachi, I just want to read some of these verses to you. I want to listen to these verses. Malachi 3, verse 1. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Now, watch. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears he is like a refiner's fire, like a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi, purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer to the Lord in an offering and righteousness. And then over in chapter 4, listen to chapter verse 5 and 6. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great, and dreadful day of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. I believe this is an illusion. I believe John the Baptist, it comes in the spirit of Elijah, the Bible says. But it's also an illusion to these two prophets that will come here on earth. Something else, another reason why I believe it's Moses and Elijah. Elijah did not experience death, did he? Second Kings chapter 2, verse nine eleven says he was raptured. All right, let's look at verse 5 and 6 and we'll, we'll close this episode one out today at the threats. Verse 5 here, get back over to the book of the Revelation, verse 5, anyone, if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. If anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in the same manner. Verse 6, these have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of prophecy. They have power over the waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. Verse 5, he says that if anyone wants to harm them, now they will be supernaturally protected for the first three and a half years. The word wants means wishes, desires, uh, the wills to. They will torment the unbelieving world because of the Spirit of God and the anointing that is on them. But for three and a half years, they cannot be harmed. The whole world will hear hear them. The whole world will be involved. The whole world will, will touch and know exactly. And no one can touch them. The whole world hears the news and the whole world will have the chance to hear the gospel of jesus christ if not there physically even through the internet and all of those and then in verse five he says fire proceeds from their mouths like elijah will call fire down from heaven their enemies will get back what they tried to give the manner that they wish to try to kill the these two that will come back on them and verse six tells us that they have power again they have authority. They have power to act. God gives them authority and the right to act. When they want to call fire down from heaven, they'll be able to do it. When they want to shut up the rain, they will be able to do it. And the Bible says that God gives them that authority. They have the authority in verse 6 to shut up heaven, to control the weather. First Kings 17:1, we see that. James five seventeen. They have authority like Moses. Like Elijah to shut up the heavens, like Moses to turn waters to blood, the rivers and the lakes to blood, and that resolution to um, Exodus seven verse nineteen, and then he says all plagues. Look at verse six. He says they will have power over the water turned into blood and strike the earth with all plagues. I mean, in the Greek language, plagues means a blow, a wound, an affliction, to beat, to flog, a calamity. They will be so anointed and have such authority, they will actually be able to cause calamity and affliction and plagues on here, the earth, just like Moses did in the book of Exodus. Their enemies will be the Antichrist, the false prophet, unbelieving Jews, unbelieving Gentiles. Muslims and all of this anger will build up until the Antichrist unleashes his fury on them and murders them. And the Bible says that their dead bodies will lie in I believe in Jerusalem, that's gonna be next next time, next week. Their dead bodies will lie in Jerusalem, and he will not allow their dead bodies to be buried as well. Boy, I can't wait till episode two. Again, I'm Mike Franzone. This is the Prophecy Channel and thank you so much for listening.